to Modern Figures Podcast, a show where we're elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. We're your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kyla McMullen. This podcast is sponsored by the National Center for Women in Information Technology, or NCWIT. NCWIT is a nonprofit organization that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase participation of all women in the field of computing. Kyla and I are representatives of the Institute for African American Mentoring and Computing Sciences, or IMCS, which serves as a national resource for Black and African American students, faculty, and industry professionals in computing. Special thanks goes to our listeners who contribute to the podcast by supporting our online store, which you can find at our website, www.modernfigurespodcast.com. Today we have Dr. Kyla McMullen. Hey. On the wrong side of the table. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> because we decided that it would be important for you to hear her story and so I'm going to do my best to interview her, and hopefully she's a good interviewee. Let's see. I have not seen these questions, FYI. So <laughs> this will be interesting. These questions were crowdsourced oh, because um, I believe in the art of delegation. So I did ask several people their, uh, the most pertinent questions that they felt that they needed answered by Dr. McMullen. Some of them who know her well, some who don't. Okay. And uh, yeah, so let's get into this. So as many of you who listen to this podcast may know, Dr. Kyla McMullen earned her Bachelor's of Science degree in Computer Science from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. UMBC. Where she was also a Meyerhoff Scholar. We'll get into that later. She earned her Master's and PhD degrees in Computer Science and Engineering from the University of Michigan. And... Some of you might also be aware of the fact that she is the first female of color to graduate from that PhD program, which is hot fire. I know, but we need more. We need, we do need more. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and while she was out there, you know, getting this whole degree, she decided, I'm going to teach too, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, and now... Uh, she's here at the University of Florida as a tenure track faculty member in our computer and information science and engineering department. And she's super passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and started a whole like blog about being beautiful, black, and brainy, and also brilliant is the new black. Ayo. <laughs> Showcasing hundreds of exceptional African Americans who excel in the STEM fields that don't fit the typical or stereotypical, I should say, scientist role. And so let's jump into this. I don't want to read much more of her bio. I'll let her talk about it in detail more. But we always start out with, what was it like for you growing up? Oh, growing up. Let's see. I was born on a Thursday. Really? I was. Oh, <laughs> I'm a Monday baby. Aw. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a it was a lonely Thursday until I entered the world, and then the sun finally shone. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Can you not? 
No, growing up was cool. I grew up in Northeast Washington, D.C., which was very interesting. I went to a private school for the majority of my growing up. And people think, oh, yeah, private school, you're going to, you know, you have so many resources and everything. And that that's not how it worked at all. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we had teachers we had things but you know our textbooks were super old like it was it was an interesting thing but it was better than the neighborhood school so it was a catholic school that was uh near us and um i remember like that was sort of my first uh exposure to computers because we had like six for the whole school oh wow yeah and each grade would take turns so like it's about 200 kids in the school so like you know 20 ish people 30 ish per class so this was like a k through eight school but only the kids who needed enrichment got to use the computer so that's where i messed up by being smart (laughs) and they're like you don't need to use this computer i'm like i need to know the things but no it was cool me my mom my dad for the most part um yeah just growing up hanging out (laughs) (laughs) so were your parents in computing at all or not at all so my mom um she worked for a judge downtown she was a judge's assistant um administrative assistant um at commodity futures trading commission (laughs) and my dad was an upholstery deliverer and he yeah they basically did that the entire time that you know i was young But I do realize like my mom is very methodical when it comes to like math and like she took care of like all the bills, all the everything. Like she's a very process oriented person. So she's the one who like made sure stuff ran the way it needed to. And like she sews too. And like she's very artistic in terms of um, like cake decorating and stuff like that. But she's also very logical. So like literally just watching her as I grew up, like I got to see how she does things and steps and processes and like looking back. I was able to be like, oh, that's where I got that from. Mm. (laughs) She's not programming, but I do see how to do things, you know, very carefully in logical steps. And, you know, if you try to do something outside of the step, no, 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 that's not how it goes. Nope. (laughs) So did you like school? No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) Like I could not stand school and I got good grades, but I was like, can we just cover this in an email? Like, can we just give us the book and we'll return the assignments? Why do I need to come here and sit in this uniform at a desk to prove to you that I understand this thing? So I was never a fan of school. I like the people at school, but (laughs) recess, you know, all star extrovert. (laughs) Right. But no, I didn't, I was not, I was never a fan of school, like ever. And I think also because there were a lot of subjects that I just didn't care for. And since we didn't really focus a lot on like science and math, I didn't have like my, my turn to do what I wanted to do. I liked algebra once we finally got there because it felt like a puzzle. But mm. for the most part, I was like, yeah, just uh, miss me with this school stuff. So you liked math and science, yeah. but all the other stuff you were just like, eh. You can keep it. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So what about like outside of school? Oh, yeah. Outside of school. Let's see. Growing up, for the most part, like the biggest thing I did was like stuff with my church. So my church has a whole still has a whole like dance and drama ministry. So Mm -hmm. like going there and doing like dance. And we had these huge theatrical productions every Christmas where, you know, we would have literal like llamas and horses and (laughs) like camels, real live ones, live ones that would be in the church going across the stage. And um, they were huge productions like Marvin Sapp used to come 
Jasmine sang, Vicky Winans. Like okay. we had a lot of like, you know, some some stars that came through. And um, yeah, so practice for that. You, I'll be listening to Christmas music in August because you got to start. You got to do the auditions and all that. So very active in like theater and dance growing up. Um, softball. I played softball from like probably fifth grade on through like college. Not like on a team in college, but you know, what is it? Rec sports type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, I like softball. I try basketball because I'm tall. And I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. It turns out being tall is not the uh, the only requirement. I'm to play right there with you, well. girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're like, what, two inches apart, yeah, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So you started dancing. You actually enjoyed dancing and performing. Oh, yeah. You still dance? Still dance. Yeah, we even have a performance coming up on Sunday. So um, for me, dance is like just a way to keep sane. And I think like with this day, how we're so like connected with computers and we're constantly on checking our phones, checking this, checking that. You can't dance and check your email. So I think that's like one activity that requires me to turn off for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And like even when I'm like super stressed out, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't even have time to be going to this dance class. What am I doing? I just put my stuff down. And like at the end of the class, I feel a hundred times better and even have to like go back to whatever it is I'm doing it's like a I go back with a better attitude about what I'm doing so I probably would have like grown through it if I had just skipped the dance class and done it versus coming back and being like oh it's not so bad at least I got to dance today (laughs) (laughs) so um let's like go back so school you were like cool with math and science not Mm -hmm. so much and like the other stuff not English and social studies and what so, else? But like, how did you get into computer science then? Mm, it always was like this thing that I felt like I was being kept from. I felt like it was a secret everybody else knew how to use except for me. What? So <laughs> it was. So I mentioned how like our school had this program. Maybe we had like some grant or something where kids could take home computers. So guess what? All the kids who needed enrichment could take home computers. And I'm like, I need this thing. And like, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So like my parents couldn't afford a computer. So, um, so that started it. But every like thing I asked for for Christmas was always computer like the little uh, pocket my dear diary thing the gigapets <laughs> um, what else 2xl anything that was like a robot technology oriented if you gave me a calculator I would play with that I had a light up watch like a digital watch like I just wanted things that were digital because I was just fascinated with the fact that you could press a button in one place and then something else would happen somewhere else hmm. like that was just fascinating to me and I had to figure out where that happened so um, moving on to high school, my mom um, made me go to the science and tech high school because, again, I hated school. I didn't care where I was going. <laughs> so she made me go to this. I took the test for a science and tech high school and they had different tracks and computing was one of the tracks. And I was like, this is the only way I'm going to figure out this thing. Because if I have a whole class about it, I am going to figure this thing out. Mm. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. Um, we took computer math, which is more like logic and gates and like the instructions of computers. And then the class after that was AP computer science. And that's when I actually like learned how to program. Whoa. So there was AP computer science way back then? Yeah, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I didn't realize that. I don't think I went to a science and technology high school as well. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think we had AP computer science. Mm. I don't even know if we had computer science at all. But yeah, it's usually largely dependent on like the expertise of the teachers. Like if teachers are scared to teach it or offer it or they don't go through the actual training for it, then, yeah, you won't have it at the school, which is, you know, kind of bad because, you know, math hasn't changed for years. English hasn't changed. History hasn't changed. So you have like lots of those AP courses, but computer science is relatively new. And when you sometimes oftentimes have older teachers, they're comfortable in offering what they know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're afraid to not know things Mm. so they're less likely to offer that but we were lucky because um, I actually had a black man who was my computer science teacher and he was fresh out of his master's program had a minor in computer science and I was like yes this is great so a black man taught you computer (laughs) science right and it was such a juxtaposition because I was like wait I need to turn into a white boy because that's all the folks I ever saw taking the computer science classes and I was like whoa there's a black guy that's in charge of this thing. I think I can do this. <laughs> so I feel like we've covered the Kyla yeah, we've white boy. Right. We've talked about that. At mindset. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into yeah, we that. Don't have to. But I really would like to know, like, who were you in high school? Because it sounds like you were an interesting human. <laughs> I was know? definitely. Uh, I didn't stand out, actually. Um, everybody The high school I went to was like a continuation of another middle school, but I had moved from D.C. and and knew no one. So, um, yeah, I I literally knew no one. There was one girl from my church who was in the same grade as me, but like she wasn't in science and tech and all my classes were science and tech. So I maybe saw her if I was walking to gym, you know, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I was pretty quiet, I would say. Were you a nerd? Um, Because I feel like you were a nerd. Not exactly. I'd had to be like a little more diligent to be a nerd. Like I never completely (laughs) failed. Like I got A's, but I didn't like strive to get the highest A. I'm like, I'm going to get the sufficient A to (laughs) to do this. Yeah, because like there had a teacher, APS history, and he had this thing called the promised land. And if you got an A on one of his exams, he'd write your name on the board as being in the promised land. You know, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it was a lot. But he had like a photographic memory. Like Mm. he was like, he could do history without the book like he just and his trick on the first day of school he would call the roll everyone say here 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 and then he'd go back and say who everyone was like from where you were sitting for every class so creepy yeah he had like a really ridiculous memory but yeah so i would never strive to get in the promised land but i got an (laughs) a in the course so okay so the reason i ask is mm -hmm. you know like there's stereotypes about people who are in computing. Oh, yeah. And I personally don't feel like you fit in that box. Not at all. <laughs> um, if we were to describe that box and what it looks right. like. Um, but I I just I can't imagine high school, Kyla. I think I'm trying to think because, you know, you evolve through things. So I got there and the only thing I knew about high school was Saved by the Bell. So I was like, all right, I need to make friends with the people so we can go to the max and hang out after school. Like I was like, that's the only picture of high school that uh, mm-hmm. that I had as, as young Kyla. So um, I don't know. I was pretty I was quiet. I talked on the phone a lot. My best friend went to a different school, so we would hang out a lot. But, you know, I was kind of cool with lots of different people. I wasn't in like one specific click or group like I wasn't like oh yeah for lunch I sit with these people and da, 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 da. like mm. I sat with whoever I knew if we had a cool conversation that day I'll come in you know we'll talk at whatever class yeah so was 
college always on your radar as like the next step after high school? Yes, because my parents said, you need to go to college. And I'm like, well, you pay the bills around here. So uh, (laughs) it looks like I'm uh, going to college. So, yeah, it was always something that my parents talked about. And I knew that if I had to go to college, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. So I needed to get good grades. So that's why I'm like, I'll get the A, but I'm not going to break my back to get it. I'm not going to get a super A. (laughs) Also, because I had all these other after school activities and stuff. Like that's taken away from my dancing time. So, yeah, it was always on the radar. Hmm. Okay. And did you apply to like lots of colleges or did you just decide I'm going to stay kind of close by? So that's funny. So I did not want to go to UMBC. Like that was the last <laughs> college on my Story list of, my life. of colleges. I mean, not that far, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I applied to a bunch of places in like North Carolina. I was just really in love with North Carolina, probably because we have family there. And mm. I really liked it a lot when we still do love North Carolina. But um, I applied to a bunch of schools there and I got into them all, but the scholarships weren't weren't popping so then guidance counselor encouraged me to apply for UMBC my mom made me apply to UMBC (laughs) and so I filled that out and applied for Meyerhoff and they're like oh it's a full ride and I'm like I guess you know in hindsight I'm glad they did not let me just go to North Carolina and rack up all this expensive Mm -hmm. out of state debt you know doing this when there was an awesome school down the street so what's what's Meyerhoff so people who don't know who are listening Meyerhoff is a scholarship program that's at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. It was started by Robert and Jane Meyerhoff, as well as Dr. Freeman Rabowski, who is the president of UMBC. Mm. And it is a cohort-based program where you bring in students who are really smart, but may not be in the best schools or not. And it's a mixture, actually. We're pretty diverse. We we have students from all over, but Mm -hmm. they make a very special effort to include students from high schools that you know are traditionally underserved so um you start with you know your cohort you come in for a summer bridge program you take a couple college classes but you get you know really acquainted with college but it also teaches you the value of community and being your brother's keeper and we have and one example of that is in our summer program, our math class, the rule was whoever got the lowest grade on whatever assignment or test, that was everyone's grade. So what? Yeah, it was everybody's <laughs> grade. So then that teaches you to be like, all right, do you know derivatives? Do you know derivatives? Can you please like so you would go around making sure everybody understood everything. And like the bigger impact of that is, you know, we all bring each other up. We're not competing for a limited number of degrees. You know, all of us are here to get our degrees. So, yeah, but it's like definitely very family based, Um, just, you know, just lots of very community minded. You take classes together. We all lived in the same dorm the first semester. We have study groups together, you know, just leaning on each other. And, you know, to this day, we're still, you know, friends with each other and, you know, godparents and best friends and going to each other's weddings and stuff like that bond hasn't stopped just because we're all over the country. That's super cool. That is super cool. So. You go to college, mm-hmm. you have to do all this extra work, seemingly, right? Because you're doing more than what most undergrads their freshman year have to do, right? Oh, yeah. And you couldn't pledge either. What? That's another thing. Yeah. Well, you could at your own like, <laughs> you could, like discretion. Sneak into it. Well, no, they know because people would tell on you too. Like, we wow. have people who would go to staff and be like, well, such and such, <laughs> da, da, da. But um, no, if you 
pledged and your grade slipped under whatever the minimum is, um, you could, your funding could be eligible Ooh. to be taken. So there's okay. that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we did have a lot more than most that was required of us. And you applied to computer science? Yep. To, to computer science program? Yep, computer science, because that was, you know, high school. I was like, all right, this is the class I hate the least. Because, again, <laughs> still hated school. So <laughs> so did you hate school when you got to college? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I dropped wow. out every day. Like, every <laughs> single day. I was like, I'm dropping. No, I'm sorry. Every week, I would be like, I'm going to drop out. After this homework assignment, I'm dropping out. And I would just, like, say that to get me past whatever the thing was I'm doing. Like, I'm going to finish this problem set, but I'm done with school after this. <laughs> Dear students who are listening, <laughs> Kyla got three college degree okay so right. don't don't listen don't, to me don't listen to <laughs> but in my mind that's what had to get me you know from day to day the fact that I'm like all right I don't have to do anything else after this and then I still forget and go to class and get another assignment like oh wait no 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 after this one I'm done oh my goodness <laughs> but no it was uh it was cool it was it was hard though my first exam I got a grade close to my age <laughs> and I was like all right uh this might not be for me like we got a study guide and I remember we were tested on everything that was not on the study guide. Mm. So, yeah, that was a very humbling experience. And it sounds like you learned and adapted and oh yeah, survived, apparently. Yeah. Did you do, like, the whole, I'm going to, like, not get a whole A, but I'm going to get a little close to an A? Oh, no, no, no. That changed oh. because there was more on the line. So that was public school. I was doing that mess in. That's free. <laughs> College, I knew that, one, you know, the, one of the tenants of my office, to whom much is given, much is required. So for that, I knew that this opportunity, I didn't take it lightly. You know, it had been given to me. I, well, I mean, I earned it, but it had been, I had been afforded it and not mm-hmm. a lot of other people had. So I took it very seriously. I knew that if I didn't, you know, my parents didn't have money to send me to college. Like I would be throwing away so much if I didn't give it my all. So I kind of mm-hmm. got my act together, you know, for college to Make sure I stayed in there and graduated. Did you find like the classes hard or were you just like, "Mm, I'm good? No. Yeah, the classes were hard. Like because computer science is like it's a mental thing. Like it's almost like the computer is hazing you because you can (laughs) understand all the concepts in class and then you type it out and it's like, nope. Nope, that's wrong. You're like, I literally wrote what's on the slide. Right. So like there's a lot of like mental stuff you have to get over. Like you love the major when your code is running and compiling correctly. And then when you can't figure out where this missing semicolon is missing from (laughs) and, you know, it's just driving you crazy and you're looking at the thing that it's saying is missing. It's like, all right, you know what? I don't need this. So, you know, it's it has its ups and downs. But, yeah, the programming part was difficult a lot. The concepts weren't hard, but, like, the coding definitely was. So do you like coding? Oh, I love coding. Oh. Because you just, figure it out. You practice it and you figure it out. I just assumed, like, at this point you might be like, eh, I'm not, like a hundred percent in love with coding oh no it's the opposite anytime i get a chance to code i do like whenever students are like i have a problem with my code i'm like "Ooh, let's look at it all right let's download it what's it say let's do that what's this library do or like you know yeah i even coded something one of the students i'm on our committee and they had a question about something i'm like we can just code this up in matlab i'll be back (laughs) i will say okay yeah that makes sense now that i'm thinking about it because i was like towards the end of my dissertation and um i was freaking out about how to like analyze a whole lot oh, of yeah. data you had like eighty thousand yes. rows yes. of excel data i did <laughs> and who did i go to ladies and gentlemen 
Dr. Kai Kai. That's hey. right. <laughs> and we had fun. We got some coffee at the Starbucks and sat in the little room with MATLAB. And, and it worked great. Yay. And then my advisor, because I'm, again, not a computer scientist, was like, I don't know what this is and I can't use it. Yeah, that's one of the challenges with coding. If other people don't know how to code, they don't know what you're doing. So they're a little skeptical of the result. So then I had no to idea. recreate the whole thing in Excel, which... Which makes no sense. Who child? But we did it. Yes. We did it. And the answers, you know, they confirmed with each other. So exactly. Basically... So the, I did the verification. That's right. All. Basically, <laughs> Kyla knows what she's doing. We can trust her code. That's cool. Right. I guess my next question, so like, Meyerhoff, did it... Did the programming stop when you finished your first year? Does it keep going? Oh, no. It's four years. Ooh. Yeah. And you have, like, cohort meetings, like, every year where... Maybe every semester, maybe even every month. Who knows? That's like super comprehensive. Yeah, it's a lot. But I really like the model because like in the cohort meeting, they'd be like, who's applied for an internship? And mm. then you'd have to name what you applied for. And like staff would get on you if you basically weren't making whatever milestones it was you're supposed to make or who hasn't signed up for the GRE class or who hasn't signed up for the MCAT study group and, you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. So. So you were basically encouraged to do those things, to do internships, to oh, do yeah. research. Yeah, we started writing our personal statements the summer before our freshman year. And they made it like basically this document you just keep adding to mm. as you get experience. And it was good because, you know, you're going to try to get an internship. Oh, I've already written this personal statement. Let me mm-hmm. just add a paragraph about school. And, you know, it just kind of evolved over time. So when did you decide I want to do research? Oh, that's a good question. So I don't think I ever actually decided I wanted to do research. <laughs> okay. Um, but I will say I did have some major motivations for it. So I worked at an internship at IBM and they, we were, sol- whatever problem it was they had me solving, I didn't think we were solving it in the smartest <laughs> way possible. And my boss was like, hey, and he didn't have a PhD. And he was like, well, you know what? Dr. So-and-so down the hallway is the one who said that we're going to do it this way. So, mm-hmm. you know, go talk to Dr. So-and-so about how you feel about, you know, the solution. I didn't know it was a setup. Where it was definitely a setup. It was a setup. <laughs> so Dr. So-and-so was like, you know, I respect what you're saying. Da-da-da-da. And then basically he was like, listen, if you want to be the person who decides things in research, you need to have a PhD. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, good, because I don't like this. Like, if I have to solve problems in the dumbest way possible. (laughs) Wow. I do not want to, you know, I don't want to feel like I don't have a voice. I want to be the person who's credible in the room to do it. And then um, I was able to, you know, get some research experience there. I really liked what I was doing because my project was open-ended and I solved it the way they wanted me to. But I was like, but if I was just here a little bit longer, we could just write a script that does this and just get rid of this whole other part. You know, I just felt like there was so much more to explore. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was basically my my, uh, start with research. Another, um, I had an what do you call it, individual study with a professor Mm -hmm. in my last year. And that was also another thing where I got to help him work on some of his research. And I felt like, okay, this research thing is cool. It's just finding out an answer. All right. Yeah. (laughs) But did Meyerhoff influence that at all? Oh, yeah, definitely. So they always encourage you. For the tech people, though, they they encouraged either a tech internship or research. But, like, we have people Mm -hmm. from all science, STEM majors. So for the biology folks, always research, research, Mm -hmm. research. But the tech folks, we kind of got a a choice. Um, And you chose research. Yeah, I chose research 
um, my third year. Mm. Uh, wait, no, after my second year. Mm-hmm. So going into my third year. And I was like, all right, now I see why this PhD thing. Because they groom you from the beginning. Like you come in as a high school student. And in that first meeting, they're like, you're going to get a PhD. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, not even at selection weekend. They're like, I'm going to get. Selection weekend. Yeah. So it's a whole weekend where they have all the kids across. You know, it's about 200 people like maybe a hundred each weekend and you're interviewing for the scholarship program wow. and cause it's not for everybody, yeah. you know, and you come in and you talk about who you are. And at the end you state what you're going to, what degree you want to get. And I'm like, you know, you stand up, I'm Kyla McMullen. I'm going to get a PhD in computer science. But I actually said, I'm Kyla McMullen. I'm going to get an MD PhD in making web pages. Cause that was the extent <laughs> of my, <laughs> and we still laugh about it. One of my friends still laughs at me to this day for saying that, but you know, I, I got basically there, you know, <laughs> So how did you choose grad school, like your, your oh, program? Yeah. So going on visits definitely helped. So like, I won't name the schools, but there were schools that have visits that allow you to, you know, come and see the school and all that, talk to the students and figuring out, is this the right place for me? Not only the city and the researchers, but are the students happy? So mm. um, I didn't even... That's real. Yeah. And Michigan wasn't even on my radar. I was like so against going on that Michigan trip. Someone <laughs> said, hey, University of Michigan has this trip and we need some more people to, you know, to sign up to mm-hmm. go. And I was like, no, where is Michigan? Are they even on Eastern time? It is cold <laughs> up there. Isn't that Canada? Like I was just going like I went on this rant in the office. And then I remember Mr. Harmon was like, Kyla, if you don't like it, it's a visit. You don't have to go. He's like, you like to travel, don't you? I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. All right, I'll check it out. I'll check out this place. And um, when I got there, what I saw from the graduate students, the engineering graduate students specifically mirrored a lot of what I saw in Meyerhoff. Like they had this um, weekend called Impact and all the students basically kind of like hosted us and we had like a mentor. But I remember just watching them interact with each other and like, hey, did you pick an advisor for the summer yet? Hey, how's blah, 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 blah going? I really felt like they had each other's backs and they were really interested in each other and not just classmates. Like they interacted outside of it and were interested in each other's well-being. So I'm like, all right, this is a community I could get with. And I didn't feel that at other schools. Hmm. Okay. So you go to Michigan. Yep. It's colder. It's, yes, it's way colder. It's wider, for lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we've talked about a lot on the podcast about isolation in graduate school. Mm-hmm. And did you feel that at all while you were up there? At times I did, but not, I would say maybe in in the department sometimes Mm -hmm. I felt isolation because again, I'm the only one in my classes or one of two or three in my classes. So that was definitely isolating. But when I leave the class and, you know, I can go to an event and be around other PhD students of color and be like, let me tell y'all what happened in class today, you know, so Mm -hmm. I had, you know, a community there. So sometimes class was an isolating experience and like there'll be things that would happen. Like a professor, we were talking about artificial intelligence one day and he starts going on this question of, oh, if, you know, robots got to the same intelligence as humans, you know, what would their rights be? Would robots have to sit in the back of the bus? And and I'm just like, and I had no one to rent. Like I was, 
outraged and I was looking around like is anybody else <laughs> hearing and seeing this and the whole class just looking at him like he said two plus two is four yeah four like, plus four is oh, eight that was a, a logical conclusion yeah. so when stuff like that happens I had you know my folks that I knew I could go to to be like let me tell y'all what happened today <laughs> so it's isolating but I did have somewhere to de-isolate myself mm-hmm. and so you danced in college, like yep. as an undergrad. Did you keep dancing at Michigan? Yeah, I took dance classes like through the dance department because we had to take PE requirements. So what? That was my yeah. That Wait, was one of my, in graduate school? No, 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 college. And oh, I'm so confused. So that was one of my PE ones. But yeah, I joined a group. Maybe after my first year, I had a project with a girl, and we were at a group project. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I can't work past seven o'clock, so I got to go do this thing." I was like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm gonna go dance." <laughs> and she's like, "I was like, can I come to dance?" And she's like, sure. So she introduced me to the dance studio and I loved it. I never left. <laughs> Where was the dance studio? It was in um it was in Ann Arbor. It was on campus actually, called mm. Dance Theater Studio. Hey y'all. They're still <laughs> there. I love them to death. Uh there's, you know, a family who owns it and there's a performance group that I was one of the starting members of. And, you know, we just we did flash mobs when that was a thing. Oh, like, God. We had a lot of fun. Y'all we, were partying. Yes, we were. But it was just and not, nobody was a, maybe a few a few students. It was a good mixture of people who had various affiliations with the school and outside of the school. So a lot of people, when they think about graduate school, they think you're in the lab all day. Like you don't have time to be out dancing around <laughs> like, you know, like for these frivolous things. <laughs> right. Like, How did you find time to do that? I mean, you make time to do it. So I put it in my schedule. It's a non-negotiable <laughs> thing. Like everybody knew Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.30 to 8.45, Kyla was not going to whatever function it is or she might be late or leaving early because that was the time. You have to decide that that's important to you. Yeah. What other like activities did you do while in grad school? Oh man, we, so I'm not a runner, but <laughs> I led a running club. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and I was the slowest one. You led the club? Yes. Well, I organized it, I'll say. Okay. Because I did not lead it because I was not the <laughs> fastest in running. But I would be the one who, like, determined where we would run and what time and send emails to folks. Like, all right, we're at Gallup Park, 6 a.m. This is where we're going to, our trajectory, you know. So even if somebody joined late, they knew around where we were going to be. And then some of us got the bright idea to train for a half marathon. So we would travel and do, like, different races and half marathon. yeah we did the cleveland rock and roll half marathon and like you have to train and do like three miles four miles five miles six miles you know all the way up on like your from, long run from couch to yeah well no 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 just like <laughs> so past the three miles for the 5k you would do like basically your long run each week you would bump up however long you ran the mm -hmm. last week by one mile so I had to map out like what paths we could take in uh. town to get to like okay here's the seven mile path here's the eight mile path so we could start and end in the same place and we never went home unless the last person always me was uh <laughs> was back so um yeah, we did a lot of running. It was fun because I always wanted to run away from school. So I was like, <laughs> at least, you know, I'm running Still in a circle. in graduate school? It was hard because it was, yeah, it was a lot going on. But yeah, I had a running club. I was very active in our group that was like, basically like grad Nesby. It was called mm -hmm. SMESG. I was like the vice president and president. And we did lots of like activities and programming for that. We had a group called Muses, which was the movement of underrepresented sisters in engineering oh, and science. Yeah, okay. I was the VP. 
I don't know all the positions. I like I that name. Yeah, girl. That's really cute. Okay, so obviously you were super involved. Oh yeah. Um, did your advisor have anything to say about that? Were they aware? Uh, he had all the words about it. Ooh. Okay. But like, so when it came time to qualify, so once I passed the quals exam. And my uh, proposal, he told me that the committee had expressed concern Mm. that I was the president of too many things and doing too many things outside. Mind you, I never told anybody in the department anything I was doing. Isn't that ridiculous? So I'm like, there's a rat somewhere out here. And why do they feel like I need to be a robot to do this program? He's like, you should like, you know, is there a way that someone else can be the president? I'm like, it's January. No, this is the (laughs) mid, you know, like, what does that even make sense? Mm. So they felt like I wasn't focusing enough. And I'm like, no, these people are the ones who actually keep me here. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll delegate. And there's a person I can. I just told him a big old lie that I was going <laughs> to stop doing as much and actually double down and did more. Oh, wow. OK. Because I'm contrary. Yes, we've noticed. <laughs> um, so what was your research area is it the same as what you're doing now as a faculty member? Yes, it actually is the same area. So uh, my research area is in 3D or spatial audio. So this is a technique where you can alter the sounds that you get in your ears to make a sound appear like it's coming from an actual space around you. The way that sound naturally travels to your ears we can mimic that with digital signal processing and make it sound like something's coming from places around you it's kind of hard to describe you kind of have to just like hear it but it's been integrated in things like virtual reality augmented reality and it's just a way to cue people if they're in environments where they either can't see something that they need to see or you know your vision is occluded or you're blind or just all kinds of things or your vision is already occupied by something else and you don't need any more things to look at so Mm -hmm. one use case is with pilots like there's a thousand instruments that they're looking at and if they can have some of those instruments that are visual moved to the auditory field then it's less of a burden you know cognitively on them. That's interesting. So it's fun. I like it. Yeah. So you, I know that you had some difficulties finishing your PhD, mainly because of your advisor and that relationship. It was my first advisor. My second advisor was amazing. Oh, so the first one, were you doing 3D audio with that person? No, I was doing, um, so his research area was around making educational technology Hmm. for kids that you know are traditionally underserved so um i thought that was cool because i'm like oh i can use my degree to impact humanity and do all these wonderful things but it didn't work out like that so that's when i learned that it's less about the topic and more about your relationship with the advisor and their ability to advise you because (laughs) this person you know really cool awesome person but did not have the time to actually train me which is what the phd is you're Mm -hmm. getting research training (laughs) you know they didn't actually have time to do that so i was kind of just flopping all around so you get towards the end and you're like what am i gonna do with my life yeah and you're like i'm gonna be a professor like why i didn't say that actually i was gonna say say, (laughs) you're a professor 
But and I hate school. You hate school. Exactly. Right? So, exactly. like, at some point, you decided to be around school. I know, right? For, like, forever. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> despite, like, the entire time being in school saying, I hate school. Right, because, you know, it's you're on the opposite side of the table at this point. I didn't like being on the receiving end of school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I guess I get that. I guess. But, yeah, when I was uh, coming out, we had AGAP, and AGAP was, like, mostly geared towards people who want to go into the professoriate. I remember going to the events and being like, I'm sorry, I just want to be at the event. I don't want to actually be a professor. <laughs> wow. And then I ended up being a professor, but it was mostly because I realized I didn't really have a good grasp of what being a professor was. Mm. I knew what I saw in class and I assumed that that was my teacher's daily life, grading our papers and I don't know, grading our papers and showing up late and making lecture wow. slides and teaching the people that are halfway asleep, which is part of the job, but it's not the whole thing. So I didn't know that, like, you know, the freedom that you get with research and basically how your lab is almost your own startup where you get to research things that are interesting to you. You get Ph.D. students who actually help you get to set the vision for the lab, which was what I was yearning to do when I was at IBM that summer. Mm. You know, I got to be the boss finally, you know, and basically create a research program and solve things that I think are interesting because all you have to do is write a paper or write a grant proposal where if you can convince a panel of people that what you are doing is important, they'll give you the money to do it. You can't do that in industry. Not all the time. Yeah. No. I mean, unless you're the boss. Right? Yeah, unless you're the boss. But normally there's some bottom line that you're trying to make. Like there's some specific project that you are on and you are developing for that project. And there isn't much room for, you know, I like Gmail, but what if we made something called T-mail that, you know, there's no way to, to change stuff, you know, to drastically the way that we have that freedom. So um, AGEP, the Alliance for Graduate, Graduate Education. Education and the Professoriate. Yep. There was a program at Michigan. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what like kind of gave you this vision into the future of what faculty life could be like. Well, not really. So I went to the AGEP stuff, (laughs) but I never wanted to be a professor. So um, when I graduated, I met someone by the name of Juan Gilbert. Well, no, I knew him before I graduated, but... um, Because he, again, had what I love, which was community. So Mm -hmm. he had a whole group of grad students that were doing amazing things in computing. And when I felt isolated at school, I think back about his lab. Like, all right, if all those fails, I'm going to ask one if I can join his lab at Auburn. You know, that Mm -hmm. was my... But I knew that um, he had community there, so kept in touch. I defended, had a dance show, jumped on a plane, (laughs) and went to the Kai conference. And they had something called Kai Me, which was like a... um, a pre-conference for minority students and he said hey didn't you just defend didn't you just graduate and I'm like yeah it's like all right send me your cv and I'm like why and he's like I just want to send it to people at Clemson so I'm at the back of I'm at the front of the room he's in the back of the room I email it to him and then 20 minutes later <laughs> he's like oh the faculty they loved your cv uh when can you come for a visit I was like whoa 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 pump your brakes I'm not trying to be faculty because I knew he was connected with a lot of people just like industry and mm-hmm. like everything I didn't know what he wanted it for so I'm thinking you know he's gonna pass it to a bunch of folks I said no he called a lot and I said no I ignored <laughs> his phone calls a lot and like he find he was a bugaboo like he kept calling look 
I know. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, it was kind of like the Michigan thing where I was like, all right, if I'll go for this thing and if I don't like it, I don't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. So I said, all right, I'll do this interview. And so, um, you know, I went down, I met people and I was like, oh, you do research in this? I see how my research could actually align. Oh, you mean if I'm a professor, I can do this? So I didn't really understand Mm. that, you know, research was 60% of your job and that teaching wasn't as much. And also you can rely on TAs. I was used to being the TA, the person who had to do all the things. Um, What else? And then we had a very frank conversation and he's like, what's keeping you from wanting to be faculty? And I mentioned everything that I had concerns about, like, for example, having to write grants. And I'm like, I don't want to have to write to fund my life (laughs) that's stressful he's like well it's not that serious number one number two I'll train you like you I don't expect you to just come in the door and know how to do these things so he was able to present the professoriate in a way that made it seem appealing Hmm. so now in your role what do you think is like the most challenging thing that you face being young and black and female and a faculty member? Hmm. How much time we got? (laughs) Not much. (laughs) I'm joking. Uh, (laughs) The most challenging thing I would say, I don't know. There's a couple things. So there's different facets. So one of the challenges in the lab is personnel stuff, as Mm. you wouldn't think like managing personalities and people who need to work together. And one person might have the answer the other person needs, but they won't talk to them or, (laughs) you know, there's just, yeah. Like things, just managing people Mm. is one thing and like making sure that people stay motivated to do what they need to do. Cause I can't make anybody do anything. I can't pull out my belt in the lab and be like, I said, do research, <laughs> but you know, making sure that you're equipping your students with everything that they need to be successful. And like, I always try to end every meeting with, all right, does anybody need anything from me? What do you need? All right, let me order this. Let me find this. Let me do this. You know, just so there's no stumbling block, you know, in terms of their progress and success. So I think the hardest part, though, is the amount of work that you are expected to do, which is like teaching, research, service, you're applying for grants, you're writing papers, you're mentoring your students, you're teaching class, you're grading things, you're having a podcast, you're doing all this (laughs) stuff, you're running a conference. So um, and then you're evaluated on how well you do all of these things. And I think the stuff that they expect you to do, there are not enough hours in the day to do them. So. Remaining sane and all that. And then also picking what to ignore every day. Because there's always a thousand fires. So picking which fire is just going to have to burn a little bit longer. <laughs> Speaking of fires. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so you just won a career award from the National hey. Science Foundation, which is like super amazing and a phenomenal accomplishment. Thank you. Um, and it's like basically for early career investigators Mm -hmm. Um, to conduct research in a space that's like kind of transformative, right? Like it's it's new, it's innovative, it might fail, but we're going to give you some money to do it anyways. Basically. And you chose to apply 3D audio into a fire emergency management type of space. Right. Um, And that's really cool. Like, when I think about the types of research that I'm seeing coming out of like computer science, I don't necessarily see things that are super practical oftentimes. Like sometimes they're very abstracted and it's hard to understand like how this is going to help me. 
Yeah. I kind of get the fire thing primarily because my husband's a fireman, right? right. So <laughs> I know a lot about like the sounds that relate to fire just because we talk about it all the time. But how do you generate these research ideas? How do you like develop those thoughts? That's a really good question. So when I first started my research, I thought 3D audio was cool, but I always wanted to move it out of the lab and into practical situations. Mm. So I've always been trying to figure out how a person can walk around. You'd know exactly what position they're standing in as well as what direction they're facing and be able to deliver some kind of auditory cues relevant to their environment. And that environment part was the thing that could change. Like if you're a person with visual disabilities, then I I could tell you waypoints so you could walk around. You know, if you're um, air traffic control, I can tell you the positions of other targets of interest or where you need to go to next. And then fire, of course, because this is a situation where it's very high stakes. There's lots of things happening at the same time. There's lots of change and you cannot see. <laughs> so right. I felt like if there was something that 3D audio had the potential to transform, this was the use case. So um, I naturally, you know, adapted to here. And plus, like the stars aligned, you know, Rod, your husband was able to, you know, say, hey, I can actually advise on this. I was able to have some good conversations with the Gainesville Fire Rescue. And they were like, this is amazing. What do we need to do to mm -hmm. get this thing going we have these facilities you can outfit it with whatever you need and um the stars just align to get it to happen because there's been other collaborations that just kind of don't get off the ground sometimes and you know it just wasn't a good fit but for this one it was it was a natural fit everybody saw the vision so do you keep like a, a journal or like a living document where you write down all your crazy ideas oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did at one point right now that's probably just like my lab uh our we have a list that we talk about for mm. like the lab mm -hmm. group meeting and so i always have like a, okay cool idea for somebody else so if someone joins the <laughs> lab and they're like what can i work on i'm like well we were actually talking about what well, wouldn't it be cool if blah, 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 blah could happen. And like a few mm -hmm. times we've had people be able to actually take those um, those cool ideas and actually develop it. And one of my students who's starting in the spring took one of the cool ideas and was able to get it working. And I'm like, all right, come work for me full time. Thank you. Get that's, your PhD. Thank you. Great. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. OK, so for the aspiring professors out there. Mm hmm. What would you tell them about becoming a assistant professor? About becoming? Yeah, like what what would you professor? tell them? Like what would you say? Like in terms of what they need to do? I don't or... know. <laughs> I I want to be a professor. What do what do you need to what do I need to know? Oh, I see. So I would say, of course, be technically competent in whatever your field is, but don't devalue um how much your writing impacts what you do because yes I'm a computer scientist and I type code but you need to know how to express yourself in a way that people can understand and digest because that's just how things go and that's how you're evaluated and you get uh, funding I would definitely invest in like a whole writing class if I were you um, don't neglect the value of soft skills, as people like to call them, which I don't think they're soft. I call but them professional what, skills. Right. Don't ignore that. Like you need to know how to have a budget. You need to know how the university works. You can't just operate in a bu in a bubble. Like you need to just know how stuff works. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Um, we talked about that budgets with the lab. Like that's a whole lot. Um, 
Let's see. Managing people. Like I would <laughs> go back and just take like a personnel management class because I think I'm all right with just people one on one. So like all of my students, I know how they need to have someone talk to them. But I'm bad with getting them with each other when they have an issue how to like solve that so like personnel management I would say is like a is a huge thing too okay I think that's good stuff I mean yeah I think that's good stuff I think our people side of things we neglect a lot yeah and you're basically like a little mini entrepreneur right definitely like you're coming up with these ideas you're asking people to give you money <laughs> Like, hey, right. sponsor this like, thing. This is really cool. And now give me the yeah. money. And, and hopefully it. It, it works at the end. Um, right. So, And then you're managing the people that are going to help create those things. So right. it sounds like generating ideas is a collaborative process. And so having these like communication skills is invaluable. And I'd say even to identifying your weak points and not running from those because mm-hmm. they will come back to haunt you in many ways, embarrassing ways sometimes, or you might get <laughs> called on something that you're supposed to know, but you kind of didn't take the time to learn statistics or learn this esoteric thing about your research that, um, a whole paper may hinge on, hey, you'd actually didn't do a really good job in this one weakness part. So embrace your weaknesses. And if you have a weakness, either hire someone or get consult with someone who that's their strong point and go from there. But don't run from your weaknesses because they are going to come back and tell on you. Okay, so this is kind of a random question, Uh-oh. which I personally thought was great. And I don't remember <laughs> who asked that, but Uh, You've lived a lot of places. So you grew up in D.C. Then you went to Maryland, which is not far. Well, Baltimore. It's a little far. Oh, Baltimore. That's right. So a little bit further. And then you went to Michigan. So you went to the Midwest. Yep. Then you went to South Carolina. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're in Florida. And then you did internships. So you were in different states. You traveled. North Carolina, New York. Yeah. Connecticut. So which of those places is your favorite? Oh, don't ask me that. Am I supposed to say Florida? Hey, I didn't ask this question. There's someone else. I'd say there's a tie between two places. So definitely Florida, Mm -hmm. because I love the fact that we're really close to lots of major cities, like specifically Gainesville. We can Mm -hmm. get to the beach, get to Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa. You know, it's amazing. That's cool. But we don't have their traffic. So it's it's awesome. (laughs) I can go to you can do a day trip to the beach if you want, you know, and that was unheard of growing up. So and it's warm here almost year round, you know, amazing weather, all that great stuff. So tied with Durham, North Carolina, like that Raleigh, Durham sort Mm -hmm. of area, because it's like really cool for young professionals. It's up. It's thriving. It doesn't have crazy traffic. I have family there, too. Like it's I don't know. I just really like North Carolina. You get all the seasons. I like fall. So you get to see the leaves changing and all that. And it's not super, super cold when it gets cold. But yeah, it'll be between those two. I was thinking you were going to say Florida because you met your husband here. Oh, yeah, that too. Hey, bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is surprising to me um, because a lot of people, when they talk about moving somewhere like Gainesville, finding a husband is a challenge, right? But, right. I mean, you did it and y'all been together. I'm just saying. So it's possible, people. It is very possible. People you just got to get the out there. Microphone. (laughs) (laughs) 
So how was that? How did you how did you meet? Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about it. So um, when I got to Gainesville, I was actually in a relationship that ended up being the best thing I never continued. <laughs> and <laughs> anyway, like uh, online dating, I was never afraid of online dating. So I always met interesting people. And at the very least, I had a story. So anyway, we met. Um, I, I've kind of approached online dating like it's Amazon. Like you kind of just browse all the stuff out there and then you click on the one you want to put in your cart. So um, I had a profile and I was like, let's just see what's in Gainesville now that I'm single. <laughs> and he sent me a message and we met up and, you know, it was cool. But I was leaving to go to yet another city, Ohio, for the summer. And I was like, oh, I don't expect you to keep in touch with me. You know, I'm going away from the summer. You're new here, kid. Go go spread your wild oats. Go have fun. And, you know, I'll catch up with you when I get back. But wow. I, I heard from him every single day when I was gone. Like every day we gone on one day, but it really gave us a chance to like talk to each other and Mm -hmm. not just have our, you know, first few months just with like, oh, let's go do things like you think that having activity is the relationship. But, you know, I got to really know who he was as a person. So, yeah, I got back and. I was still like, I listen, I'm emotionally drained from my last relationship. I don't want anything. And he's like, that's okay, friend. But I'm letting you know, friend to friend, I'm not dating anyone else. So uh, <laughs> when you're ready for a relationship, we can do this. He so. was like, I'm going to be here. Right, exactly. It's very persistent. But no, it, it works. We met online and it worked out ever since. That's a beautiful, adorable story. Yeah, I feel like people don't like to tell those stories. Like, I was a mutual friend that hooked us up. Well, you ain't got to lie. If you met <laughs> online, that's just like meeting somebody random in the grocery store, I uh, think. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you still don't know them. They're both strangers. I'm, look, I'm not, <laughs> no shade. I was just, like, surprised that that was the connection that you made. Um, I think it's kind of natural for someone who's in computing to be like, yeah, online dating is Exactly. Great. I'm on the computer already. Might as well find a boyfriend there, too. Do my homework, find a man, <laughs> book a trip. <laughs> it's a one-stop shop. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. Um, last question. Okay. Because, you know, I can't, I can't end on the dating story. <laughs> Although it's cute. Um, this is an educational podcast. No. <laughs> Um, okay, so really that voice. Hey, I mean, you're the one over there who's always making voices, so I have to be both of us. Right I do now. like to make voices. <laughs> um, what accomplishment are you most proud of? Man, that's really and why hard. I'm trying to tell you these these people Man. that I surveyed, they were good. <sighs> Let's let me really think about that. I would say that. Getting my PhD is what I'm the most proud of. And but it's not the heart. How do I describe it? It's not the last thing. Like I have the career award. I have other achievements like, you know, getting your first grant, all those things. But that was the most mentally tough thing I have ever been through in my life Mm. where I wanted to leave and like my support system was just like, no, you're not. You know, I just, there were so many points where I wanted to stop. And I was just like, there were days where I'm like, I can just go home right now and (laughs) none of this will be a thing. Um, But yeah, it was, I learned so much about myself. It strengthened my faith in God. I was able to learn that I can't just rely on myself for these things. Like this is something that's bigger than me, which was, 
a relaxing thing. Like, all right, God's got this. All right, I'm good. But, you know, it was something where I really learned myself. I learned my capabilities. I, yeah, it was a struggle. Uh, Right there with you, sister. So, uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But I made it out. And I'm still here. You made it out <laughs> in spite of the fact that you'd been saying since you were in grade school that you hated school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I teach the way I wish I had been taught to. Mm-hmm. And I don't require people to do ran- what I feel like are random exercises. Like, I like to have fun things that are applicable to everyday life versus write some notes on these chapters because I told you to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to make exi- assignments that I would want to do. So where can people find you? You all can find me on Instagram at Dr. Kylanol, and that's D-R-K-Y-L-A-N-O-L. And my Twitter is Dr. Kyla with an underscore. So D-R underscore Kyla. And what else do I have? I got Facebook, you know. A website. Oh, yeah. A website. Kyla McMullen.com, K-Y-L-A-M-C-M-U-L-L-E-N.com. You can always find me on the Modern Figures podcast website and our Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff. Um, I think that's all I got. I think that's more than enough. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Kai Kai. Thanks for having me. I hope to someday come back and be invited to sit on the other side of the table. Um, yeah, probably the next episode because yeah. I can't do this much longer. <laughs> It's been real. These were fun questions. I liked them. I'm glad that you, uh, what is the word that I want to use? Indulged me. Yes. I'm glad that you indulged me in this conversation because I know I could have asked you pretty much anything. This is very true. But I decided to keep it professional. You can ask me crazy stuff. I'll give you a crazy answer. No, that's just, (laughs) we didn't need we don't need to see that side of you on the podcast. Yeah. Are we still recording? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's that's saved from my Insta stories. Yeah, so definitely follow her if you want to see some some real Dr. Kyla. That's true. Where does, right. Wait, where does Kylanol come from? I just So it's like Tylenol. Like my family started calling me that because my AOL screen name was Kyla number one because there were so many Kylas. So it was like K-Y-L-A-N-O-1. But the one they were interpreting as an L. So then it became Kylanol, like Tylenol. And then it just became a whole thing. Were you a headache or? You know, I actually had a costume where I was Kylanol and I was actually the solution to all <laughs> of the problems. I was maximum strength Kylanol. Uh- Actually. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. As always, you can find us on our website at modernfigurespodcast.com, where you can also purchase items from our online store. Send us questions via email at askus at modernfigurespodcast.com. The podcast is also on social media. Just search for Modern Figures Podcast. And you can find Kyla and I on Twitter. Kyla is at Dr. Underscore Kyla. And I'm at Jeremy Waysup. Until next time, stay hydrated, moisturized, and protect your peace. peace.